Welcome to Financial Flight Academy with John Schutz and Brent Connolly from Soar Wealth Strategies. In this podcast, we inspire families and business owners to build a foundation for their financial future. We do this by listening and building trust with our clients. Join us for this journey where we explore ways to protect your nest and live out your dreams as John and Brent draw from years of experience and guest experts to help you take that leap of faith. Today's guest is a small town Nebraska girl that's been baking her way into the hearts of people for many years. If you have a sweet tooth and want to support a great local small business, this is a story for you. Welcome to Financial Flight Academy. I'm Brent Connolly. And I'm John Schutz. And as founding partners of Soar Wealth Strategies, we wanted to create a podcast to introduce you to everyday people who have created their own successes, taken that leap of faith, reached for the stars, Casey Kasem style, all that stuff. That's right, John. And our guest today, who would have- You didn't appreciate my Casey Kasem well, impersonation. I, I'm okay. sorry. Whatever. Well, All right. <laughs> anyway, uh, with her back against the wall, needing to, needing to support her children, Shandy persevered today to become the owner and operator of Shandy's Swedish Bakery located in Millard, Nebraska. Please welcome Shandy Thorell to the show. Well, thank you, Brent and John. I appreciate you having me here. It's great to have you. And, uh, you know, you're, you're, this always strikes a chord with me. I'm from small town, Nebraska, and you also are from small town, Nebraska, Wausau. So what was life like for you growing up in a small town? Farm kid, drive around the loop on Friday nights. <laughs> we did that too. Burn a lot of gas up and down the five blocks of the main street. Accomplished nothing. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, we waved and honked at people that were going by and <laughs> that's kind of, that was high school. We helped out at, at the farm and I had a job at the grocery store and that was that. So the part you were, you grew up on a farm. Yeah. What was that? Did you have some responsibilities on this farm? No, the, it was two really? girls and one boy. The, and my brother will tell you that he was always angry because we didn't have to do anything. <laughs> <laughs> Worked out well for you. Yes, it really did. <laughs> I mean, we helped mom in the kitchen, but that was, we didn't have to help on the farm, thankfully. You never had the pleasure of using a corn knife. Oh, I did. Oh, we <laughs> oh. walked beans. Okay, so we did do Here something. Here we go. See, we that's work. Daily. Oh, yes. We walked beans. We walked corn. We bean boomed. We rode on one of those things. Yes, we did. Yeah. That so Shandy, for you and my mom, who are the listeners of this podcast, <laughs> the the corn knife is a running theme because no. I also walked beans and Brent has no oh. concept of what a corn knife is, oh, yes, even to this day. Knife. No, I'm, oh, yes. I'm, I'm learning though. And more and more of our guests I'm learning have used a corn. Yeah. Knife. This is great. Yeah. I love it. Some of us had to work. Well, anyway, I'd go like ahead. No, to... let's move on. <laughs> move on. Yeah. Let's go on. Let's go on. So yeah, memories, any special memories, uh, baking with your mother or grandmother, since you are in the baking industry, I'm, I'm guessing that maybe yeah. this is where this came from. Yeah. I remember mom making cinnamon rolls and she would make tons and tons and tons of cinnamon rolls and then wrap them up in the white paper. And then we'd have freezers shelves full of cinnamon rolls that we'd pull out on the weekends. And I remember that. And I remember my grandma Crotteville making all kinds of Swedish things for Christmas and my other grandma always making dinner rolls. And so, yeah, everybody baked. That was just a thing. So is this where the recipes come from at your Pretty bakery? Yeah. yeah. And also through the Wasa Tabor Lutheran uh, cookbook, actually. I use that. Really? <laughs> I even have that in the shop. I've shown some Wasa people that have come in that 
hey, look, guys, I use our old cookbook. <laughs> I'll be darned. Very good. Uh, all right. So you leave Wausau and you head off to college to get a business degree, it sounds like. And how did you get, there's a note here that says you, you were started writing training grants for nursing homes after school? I did. That was way after school. Yeah. So after school, then I went into the corporate America and then did HR for a while. And then after we were trying to have, I got married and trying to have kids. And then I really didn't like the corporate world and had some medical issues with the first pregnancy. And I, so I bowed out of the corporate world and just decided I was going to focus on family, but yeah, we still had to come up with the income obviously. So that's kind of where my entrepreneur started mm -hmm. and that was 22 years ago. So my first business that I had was called Shandy Solutions and it was writing training grants. Well, first of all, I wrote a um, policy manual for an HR or for a, like through the HRIs for an assisted living. So all the assisted livings were starting back then. Mm -hmm. And I wrote the policy manual for this company that was starting all these assisted livings in the small towns of Nebraska. And then the person that was on the board of this training grant said, we could do some of this stuff to get some money so you could teach these policies to all of these companies. Hmm. So she kind of taught me how to write the grants and learn how to do that. And man, I just took off with that. And I wrote grants every quarter, got the grant approval. It was great for small businesses for assisted livings because mm -hmm. then they got money to have a trainer come in and teach their employees policies, procedures, customer service, all of that kind of stuff, which was me. Hmm. And I got paid to be the trainer since yeah. I had my HR and business background. And you know, John, we could maybe use uh, some of that expertise right. for uh, HR. How are you yes. coming on that? The, the HR man. Yeah. Yeah. We'll talk <laughs> offline. Shandy. Yeah. yeah. As you can imagine working with John all day, you know, we definitely need an HR oh, yeah. man. Oh, we need a manual. Yeah. We need a manual. So, you know, you're, you're a stay at home mom. You're responsible for training up to 250 people. It sounded like at a time. Yeah. Well, at sometimes like it just depended on how many employees each company had. So in an average quarter, I would have, anywhere from eight to 12 companies signed up wow. on a quarter. And then I would go out, but, but each grant was only depended on how, what they were training on, but usually it was just one hour that they would, I would get paid one hour to come in and train their employees for one hour for a quarter. So I was, I was gone roughly maybe five to seven days a quarter, but all the rest of the time was home office with the kids. So it was fabulous. And I, practice baking and I did all kinds of that. Mm -hmm. we canned and we had a garden and all that kind of farm stuff on our little acreage in Emmett. So it was great. So, so was the eye to all, was it always an eye on uh someday I'd like to open a bakery or well, was it? I always had, I'm, I'm a food lover and I always love oh, to too. make food. <laughs> so I remember in Emmett talking about wanting to maybe, maybe do a restaurant or we had a, there was a building there that was going out of business. And I said, Oh, I think we could turn this into a restaurant. So I always had a, a thought maybe of being in the food industry, but it was never not like I wasn't ever going to really do it. I, right. It was a dream, I guess <laughs> it was a wish on a star. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you wish upon, well, yeah, that's probably exactly. trademarked. We probably yeah, can't say that. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, we don't mess with the mouse. Let's fast forward a little bit here. What prompted the, a move to Omaha from small town, Nebraska, Emmett? And well, that was mostly the, the husband at the time, the ex-husband. Now he always wanted to be in the city, always wanted to mm -hmm. live in the city. And at that time I, I was 
trying to take my training company into another level. So I wrote a book. I wanted to write a book. Actually, I was already writing a book and I wanted to publish it and then turn that into being a motivational speaker traveling <laughs> around the nation. Really? So when he brought up moving to the city, I was really hesitant. I didn't want to, but yet then I also thought, well, maybe this is a good thing. I'll get closer to people that can influence or make things happen. I can get things moving with my book and my motivational speaking. And, mm -hmm. and that was my plan. That wasn't, that wasn't the man's plan up in heaven. <laughs> he had other plans for me. Right. Well, it sounds like that grant writing dried up and it sounds like it money did. got awfully tight. It did. And then you kind of had to go through that emergency fund. And, and John, we, we always talk to clients about that emergency fund. Mm -hmm. My goodness. So important. Well, it is. And so I'd like to know, how did you keep the household afloat when all this was going on? I guess we never got desperate enough to not be able to, I mean, we started asking family for, we asked several family members for money for bills. The ex job wasn't really panning out and my grants just kept drying up and not coming through. And I think the wake up moment was when we realized we literally did not have grocery money to go buy the kids food. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of bad. You have four kids and you can't feed them. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So, uh, yeah. And that, as you mentioned, Brent, that emergency fund and just the building blocks, the basis of getting your financial house in order. And then mm -hmm. these, so that these little interruptions that happen or large interruptions that happen don't totally derail a plan. Well, let's go, let's go back to this book that you wrote. Oh yeah. A lot of people talk about writing a book. Yes, I do. Few of us do, and you did. I did. What's it called? It's called Tell Surviving Life, How to Turn Nightmares into Dreams. Sounds good. So I have, I have need notes a... to make another one. Actually, I'm going to make another Surviving Life one, and then I'm going to make one on entrepreneurship. So I love I, it. Someday, when I'm not banking anymore, I'll have more time. How did you do on book sales? Did you make no, or no, no, nothing? What I've learned in that book industry is books are mostly for your healing or your process or your career building. It's not necessarily about, unless you're a Harry Potter or something, you know, <laughs> it's not about income. Right. That was almost therapy for it you. It was definitely. As oh, you were going through that, those tough times. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So money's drying up. Grocery money is yeah, nil tight. And we convert back to baking in grandma's kitchen with her and tell me about the little red wagon Oh yeah. And... So, yeah. So I decided, I mean, I looked in the shelves and we had, we had sugar, we had flour, I had some eggs and some milk. And I knew that I could turn this into <laughs> something that maybe could make us some money. Crazy whim. I said, Hey, let's bake some cinnamon rolls guys. Let's do some stuff. And so then the kids uh, and the ex on the weekends would pull the little red wagon around the neighborhood and knock on the doors Wow! and we would sell warm dinner rolls, cinnamon rolls, bread. We, we had some white bread. I think we started with, I can't even remember what we, and I would, I would raise the loaves in front of the fireplace. We'd have, I thought it was so great. Cause I had 20 loaves raising in front of the yeah. fireplace. And I, it was like, I was back in the 1920s. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and then we'd go sell them out of the wagon and it yeah. became a popular thing. People then were like, Oh, come hit our house, knock on our door on Saturday. We want some cinnamon rolls. And Really? It was just a regular Saturday thing. Yeah. 
just, we'd sell it. Well, I think we did it. I think it was Saturday and Sunday. I can't remember if we did both weekends days or not, but then we would get enough money to get us through the week. And then I'd start baking more. And, mm-hmm. and then fairway gave us a table and let us sell one Thanksgiving outside of the grocery store. I mean, I wasn't licensed or I wasn't anything. Yeah. They were just kind hearted and let us have a table. And we sold for Thanksgiving day goodies and dinner rolls and whatnot. And we made enough then to get through that Thanksgiving and have, and have a little bit for Christmas presents. And it was great. And that kind of woke me up to, wow, this could turn into something. Well, so wait a minute. I am assuming a grocery store chain, fairly sizable grocery store chain just doesn't go around looking for, Hey, we need somebody to go sell stuff outside of our store so that yeah. we don't sell it. How did you get in there? I, right. I'm, I can convince people of a lot. Of things. <laughs> I don't think I've ever not bought something from a kid at my door. So, well, but yeah, how, we, how did you I get there? I just went to the owner and was just like, Hey, that we are a family in need, you know, and we have oh, this wow. and here's some baked goods. Would you like to try my baked goods? And then they did. And they're like, and I'm like, and at that time, I mean, the kids were helping. So anytime you have kids helping, <laughs> there it is. There it is. And you know, we're like, we're trying to raise money for these kids to have a good Christmas. It's and they were so kind-hearted. I mean, they have always Fairway's always been wonderful and kind-hearted. And I'm not trying to do a plug, but they were very nice and they gave us a bit a great little start there. Not to mention their meat counter, but yeah, we don't want to go there right, <laughs> right. now because right. then I'll be a mess for the rest of the day. So, but but so how was that experience? Did you, what was your feeling in, in having to go through that? Because I could see where some people would say, ah, this is, this is beneath me having to go to do this sort of thing, but uh, it doesn't sound like there was that at all. It's just, no, was this a survival? Like it was, it was survival yeah. mode. It yeah. was totally survival mode. I never thought anything was, it's not beneath trying to raise grocery Absolutely money for not. your kids. Correct. There was nothing no. that I wouldn't going to stoop to that. Right. So I never thought that at all. In fact, we were all very, very excited after that one day. And we had made, I can't remember now, it was probably like 300 and some dollars. And we just thought we just made the, I mean, we were just Mm -hmm. ecstatic on how much we could make on this one table for these few hours. And we sold everything. And it was such a great feeling Mm -hmm. that I realized, oh man, this, this could be. Well, and, and talk about the work ethic that has been installed in those kids now, Mm -hmm. right. You know, and that that's a that's a wonderful story and I, i'm sure they remember that well i always say they know how hard it is for every penny that you make mm-hmm. they know the work that goes behind every penny that and that's one thing that i feel like not every kid knows and my kids definitely know that but well that is so true because a lot of kids will see people uh in their adulthood they see their parents oh they're successful they've just always been mm-hmm. that way yeah. that's how it works in life i just get handed a golden ticket. Mm-hmm. And I think it's great that they had that experience with you that hopefully they can build on as well. Yeah. I think when, when, I mean, it's great too, when you have a career and you get paychecks, but the kids see you going off to work, they don't actually see the blood, sweat, and tears that you had to do to get that. When you get a paycheck for us, it was blood, sweat, and tears, and a person handing you a $5 bill. I mean, you totally understand everything that went behind <laughs> that $5 bill that they're handing you or whatever. Right. We're learning the free market system yeah. in real time. That's exactly right. And when we get back, we will see how Shandy went from door-to-door wagon sales to opening up her own shop. 
Hey, sorry for the interruption. I know you're listening to the podcast, Financial Flight Academy, and we are so happy you're here. If you have any questions, please head over to SoarWealthStrategies.com or the show notes to find out how to reach us. We would love to hear from you. So back with Shandy from Shandy's Bakery. So it wasn't just a lucky coincidence that the sign already said Shandy's. It's you. Okay. No, no I'm yes. just kidding. <laughs> no, so that, honestly, that was one of my, I always, I'm very disciplined and I set goals for myself and I set these benchmarks and one goal that I'd always had in my lifetime and of the publishing the book and everything, I wanted to see my name up in lights. <laughs> right. And that was, it was a weird thing, but I've had that ever since I was little, for some reason I wanted. So when I put that sign on my building and the lights shone through that sign, yeah, I knew I'd accomplish cool. something. Very cool. Yeah. Well, it's funny because back when, you know, when I was in television, a lot of people will change their names just because, you know, shoots is hard to spell, but yes. I was like, I was always like, why am I going to let some other guy get credit for my work? Right. Mm -hmm. So, so mm -hmm. I get where you're coming from there. So how did you get from this wagon sales and outside of fairway to actually a storefront? So then I realized that I obviously could do this and make money. So I started searching the internet of what kind of craft fairs let people in? Where can I start selling my work? Can I start peddling my stuff? Yeah. Basically. I love it. Right? Yeah. That's, awesome. <laughs> That's what it was. Yeah. Uh -huh. And I found some high schools that that spring. So we got through the winter and then that spring I found some high schools that were doing the craft fairs and I started signing up for any and all craft fairs I could find. And then the Omaha farmer's market, I started putting, I put in an application for a weekly vendor there and I got approved. So then come May, I was able, I, when you start at the farmer's market, you have to start as a weekly, which means it's hit and miss. They yeah. give you openings of when their permanent vendors are going to be gone on vacation or whatever. Oh wow! Mm -hmm. So you yeah. have to earn your spot to be a permanent vendor there. But the first year I applied, I got to be a weekly and I, I didn't get my permanent vendor spot till like the third year in or so. Wow. So you have to earn your. Yeah. Way to hang in there. Yeah. No kidding. Well, so yeah. So tough. now, now how did the storefront? Well, okay. So yeah, I baked out of the house, which was just misery. Awful. Awful. <laughs> awful. I would not, not exactly recommend. a commercial. No, kitchen. I wouldn't recommend it because I'm growing the, the farmer's market's growing and I'm having to up the amount that I'm baking and mm -hmm. up the amount in two little residential ovens, which was just awful. I worked Better than the fireplace, but well, still. that's true. Yeah. Yes, I agree there. <laughs> but I worked all the time, 18, 20 hours a day, seven oh, days a week. It was nonstop. But then I got asked to come and share a space in a friend or a, a person that had opened a bakery in Ralston. Um, and she asked me to rent or rent space with her. And then I did that. And that was the first commercial space that I got into. And I realized, wow, you can really churn out a lot of stuff in a short amount of time. This is fabulous. But at that time, then I'd become a regular vendor at the mm -hmm. farmer's market and I was growing so fast. And I, I outgrew the space that even I had there. Now with everything you'd been through to this point, <laughs> and this is very, I find this very interesting. There was a seed of doubt Oh that, gosh, that was there's planted. been lots of seasons. I know, but 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 specifically, you tried to get back in the corporate world after all of this success. Well, okay, yeah. Just just briefly, touch on that. Was that when I'm trying to get a regular job? When yeah. I yeah, that was when I was baking out of the house. Okay, and my life was literally falling apart. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was fall. The marriage was falling apart, and I was trying to grasp any straws mm -hmm. and 
you know, he was begging me to try to get a regular life. Mm -hmm. And so I did, I tried to, I went to some, some interviews mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. I don't, I, I think it's cause I'd owned my own business for so long and it'd been 20 years since I'd actually worked for anybody. I just became irrelevant, I guess, in the world. I don't know. I didn't get, I got callbacks in a couple interviews, but nothing took off. So I knew that, okay, well, this is what is taking off. I have to roll with what's working. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, that's that the marriage did fall apart and the bakery <laughs> then it took off in Ralston. And then since the divorce was going away, you know, I started looking for investors and whatnot. And I had an angel investor come in and say, you know, I think you could do something more mm -hmm. here. Um, I think you could grow exponentially if you had your own space. And yeah, I remember it was on my birthday and we were searching for for <laughs> places, my 45th birthday and went and signed a lease on a place that I have now in Millard. And mm -hmm. that was the first beginning of thinking, oh man, this could really happen. Mm -hmm. Were When it, it's real, because rent's coming. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right, right. Were there some uh, people who were naysayers? No, there was people that just said that, you know, the bakery business is a, is a lot of effort and you just signed a five-year lease. That is a big mm -hmm. commitment of time. And if you go under, you have to pay that whole lease and over and over about how are you going to make that kind of money for this kind of rent and blah, blah, blah. And I don't know. I just... I said, I don't know. Had some but faith I'm in your, do it. Had some faith in yourself, right? <laughs> yeah, it's but, like a leap of faith. But that's I, that's kind of I'm curious about. I love the concept of a a local bakery, but it seems like it would be quite a challenge when you've got all these big box stores who are we have the largest. I won't name the grocery store in the world over here. Yeah. So I, I mean, did you not? Did you just think eh, I can I can do it better, or what was your thinking? Yeah, because, well, I knew that I could offer something that they couldn't because I based everything on the saying was just like grandma made. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. So I don't use preservatives in my shop. Nice. So I bake banana bread the same way. Now I'm learning that I'm getting outdated because when I tell <laughs> the younger generation, just like grandma made, they're like, well, my grandma didn't bake bread. What right. are you talking about? <laughs> so I realized I'm going to have to come up with a new slogan there. Great grandma. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's exactly like grandma's made banana bread. And that's what, mm -hmm. that's what took off. So I knew that I had something that other, the big box people didn't have. Yep, so I absolutely. guess I just went with that and just, it's just determination mm -hmm. and just, I wasn't going to give up. I just, I can't give up. I had to make this work. And now I'm a single mom. I definitely have to make this work. There's so, something about not having a plan B, isn't there? Yeah, there was no fallback. There was nothing. I wasn't getting hired anywhere. It was that or be the cashier at Walmart. And that still wasn't going to pay the bills. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Well, and then, and then COVID hit in 2020. Yes. And obviously very challenging for everyone, but especially small business owners but yet you thrived. It was your best year yet. You said it was up until, so I opened December of 2018. So we had one year of regular life basically. Mm -hmm. And then, oh man, I just remember panicking so bad. You know, when the whispers of COVID were starting to talk right. there in March or February and March, that thing started percolating. And I saw that the decrease in the, in the shop was just awful. And I was so scared already. It's the bad months of the year anyway. Right. And then it was just drying up and, oh, I was freaking out. And then lockdown happened. 
And literally it changed overnight, like within four days, lockdown happened. People started pouring in to, really? to buy. Cause I stayed open cause I was a food industry. So I could still yep. keep open. We did the whole, we did masks and we did, I mean, we're six feet apart anyway, when we sell things basically, cause we got a big counter in front right. of us, but I stayed open and business just boomed. Cinnamon rolls boomed. I got a delivery driver. We started making deliveries that year. I had to hire somebody that a school teacher that was not in school anymore. She came and helped me. She was a great helper. Donna got us through because I was breaking records left and right that year. Wow. That's, that is fantastic. So, Hey, let's brag a little bit here, Shandy. <laughs> Go ahead. I mean, tell us yeah. you, you are, uh, <laughs> you are the people's choice, right? Two times winning now the Omaha um, world Herald people's choice. The first year I won was 2021 and I won first place. And then this year it came out. I, I took second, but I still won. I, you get a claim winner in the first three categories. Okay. So. Well, congratulations. <laughs> so That's still, fantastic. I get the, I get the banner. I got the cred for it. So uh, let's, sorry, Brent, I, I feel like I'm dominating, but I really like baked goods. So, <laughs> and I like to bake myself actually. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. I make my mother's homemade rolls. Yes. Oh, which are, are uh, you oh. talking dinner rolls, yeast rolls. Uh, yes, yeast kind of dinner rolls. Yes, okay. the you know the old you know, didn't know that about you. Hand, hand rolled, roll, my dear. Huh? Yes, hand rolled. Okay, you bet. Good job. I smell a rivalry coming. No, 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 no. <laughs> I I don't have those kind of skills. But what would you say your specialty is? Uh, you the, mentioned cinnamon rolls a lot. Well, yeah. I mean the cinnamon. Rolls, and I'm not against been, it. Believe I, me. Yeah, <laughs> I've had several. The Omaha World Herald has picked me up several times for bringing up my cinnamon rolls, but really. That's not the Swedish part. The, right. the thing that was the most popular in the shop is the Scandinavian almond cake. Hmm. And everybody loves this almond cake. And and knock on wood, so far, no one else in Omaha bakes it. So nobody to steal the recipe. Nobody start doing this. I have never I heard of one. Scandinavian <laughs> almond cake. I have not either. Yeah. It's a Swedish pound cake. Oh, so okay. it's an almond flavored pound cake. And so you can do any, it's a blank canvas. You can do whatever you want with it. And are these regularly available or are they? Yes. They're always on the shelves. Okay. Yes. John? Uh, but it's, uh, can we go over there now? <laughs> well, no, no. Okay. Closed on Monday. That's why I'm here. <laughs> okay. Gotcha. So you do you have a favorite, Brent? It well, seems like you may have a favorite that you're well, harboring. When here. I first met Shandy, uh, we found her business on Omaha Food Lovers. Okay. And my wife, Amy. So our favorite is the caramel pecan rolls. And my wife, Amy, regularly has me go pick them up from you on Saturday yes. mornings. <laughs> on Saturday mornings, we have cinnamon rolls and the the caramel pecan rolls. The caramel sauce is my grandma's recipe. Oh, really? And it is a very special recipe. She has a little odd ingredient there that I will keep to myself. But oh, it wow. is grandma's recipe of yeah. the caramel sauce. Well, they're very good. And you have to get in there early to get them because they go fast. On okay. Saturdays, yeah. So where am I going to get these, Shandy? Okay. So 138th and Q in the Millard Plaza. Okay. I'm right next to Razor and Shear Barbershop. I'm behind the Lord of Host Church. Okay, that's or behind, big. Yes. Yeah, Shirley's Diner area. Okay. I'm just kind of tucked away. It's very, it's very secluded, but once people find me, they remember where I'm at. I'll find you. I'll yeah. I'll sniff it out. Yeah. That's what I'll do. So <laughs> and you you have a really good social media presence. So yes, tell folks where you. they can find you there. We're on Facebook, definitely. And I go live often because I was a social a public speaker. I kind of missed this whole speaking thing. I miss being a, just a baker. So I really like going live on 
on Facebook and people really react to that and do well with that. I also have a webpage, shandysbakery.com. I'm on Instagram. I think that's probably it. I'm not real social media wonderful, but I do have Facebook down. I got that one. <laughs> you do a great job. You go live and I, I like I like live. your little contest where you say, hey, what should I bake now? Oh, I do. So. I ask people and it gets them, it gets them involved and they all come up with a new thing. Some of them I think are far-fetched, but some of them are wonderful. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us today. You know, yes. your story of inspiration is exactly what this podcast is about. It is. It is. And it's just goes to show again, don't, you know, sometimes you got to block the naysayers out. You can take things into account, but uh, never let someone else tell you what you can or can't accomplish. And oh, absolutely. You're a fantastic example of that. So, hey, stay positive out there, everybody. That's right. That's right. Stay positive and remember why you work so hard for your family. We always talk about family comes first around here. Yep. And that's yep. important. Shandy, thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Thank you. We appreciate thank you, for you being me. here. Brent, tell us how folks can get in touch with us. Well, please. We might even have some roles uh, on Ooh, available if you gosh. come in. I don't know. I <laughs> yeah. can't promise that. Uh, well, again, thank you for coming, Shandy. And you can certainly check out Shandy's podcast and other podcast guests that we've had on our website, soarwellstrategies.com. If you'd like to learn more about how we help families, don't hesitate to call our office at 531-867-3400. We'd love you to come in and schedule a fit meeting to get to know you better and see how we might be able to help you or your family. Thank you all for listening to Financial Flight Academy. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening to the Financial Flight Academy podcast. Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Visit our website at soarwealthstrategies.com or give us a call at 531-867-3400. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Soar Wealth Strategies. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service providers with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Securities and advisory services offered through Commonwealth Financial Network, member FINRA SIPC, a registered investment advisor.